When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you work for a large organization that has articulated a guiding statement, whether they call that a mission statement, a vision statement, a purpose statement, doesn't matter what you call it. The important thing now is to become fluent in that statement. And again, we're assuming it's relevant. We're assuming it's a credible statement. We're assuming it's enduring, but you need to become familiar with that. In fact, fluent in that. And then the same with core values. Have you articulated as an organization the core values that uh, drive behavior and decision-making? Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show today. Uh, delighted to bring you a guest who I know is going to answer some questions that if you've been listening for any length of time, these are questions you've been asking. And even as we've heard recent guests on the show, our guest today is Steve Curtin, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Delight Your Customers, and is a globally known expert and speaker on customer service management and leadership. He was rated fourth by Global Gurus in its annual listing of the top 30 customer service experts in the world. Before launching his consulting company, Curtin has a 20-year career with Marriott International. Uh, and his client list today includes Carnival Cruise Lines, Napa Auto Parts, TJ Maxx, Health One, and more. And today we're talking about his newest book, The Revelation Conversation, Inspire Greater Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. So that gets you a little bit of a hint of where we're going. Hey, mm -hmm. Steve, thank you so much for being here with us on uh, Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. You bet, David. Thank you uh, for the invitation. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited to get into the book and get some of these, uh, uh, when we're talking about connecting to purpose and you break it down, you make it so practical and pragmatic for us. I'm excited to go there. Before we do, though, I want to ask you this. If you could take us back uh, as early as you would like to, your earliest memory of yourself as a leader. You know, I would say, like, just uh, barring... Uh, sports and, and school illustrations as I think about my career uh, at Marriott, which is the first corporation I joined. In fact, I interned with uh, Marriott while I was in school. Um, you know, I would say when I was given the, when I was given the microphone really, and given an opportunity as a manager in training and human resources to lead uh, orientation, uh, now onboarding, but to really take responsibility for communicating the culture of an organization that I had so much respect for, and the fact that they would give me that latitude and that responsibility um, really made me feel as though I was a I was a leader. So that moment in your career where you were entrusted with the responsibility for the overall brand and everything that was going on. Correct. All right. That ties into the work that you're doing now and the message that you have for, for us in the Revelation conversation, uh, which you already were at a level where you were recognizing the essence of the job, not just whatever the tactical functions might be. Right. 
when we talk about, okay, title of your book, The Revelation Conversation, Inspire Greater Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. Right. And I can pretty much guarantee you there's no one listening to this show at this point, if they've listened for more than, you know, what have we been on for five minutes? So if they've listened for 15 minutes or more, they know the importance of connection to purpose. Yeah. And, and like I said in the intro, you break it down for us so well. So let's talk about big picture. What is a revelation? What is the revelation conversation? And then we can dive into that. Yeah, well, the revelation conversation, David, is the keystone chapter. And you don't get to the uh, keystone chapter until chapter four. Uh, so there's an introduction in three chapters that precede that. So we lay the groundwork in those three chapters in order to initiate a one-on-one -on -one revelation conversation that has three objectives, to reveal the totality of the job role, to connect an employee's daily job responsibilities uh, to the higher purpose of their job role and the organization, and then third, to inspire greater employee engagement. So those are our objectives. Uh, reveal the total job role, connect job functions to job purpose, and inspire greater employee engagement. And the, the revelation conversation, when we get there, it's going to help us accomplish all three of those things. Yeah? yeah correct. All right. So when we're talking about uh, job purpose, one of the, the distinctions you make in the book, and I thought this was really important, is we're not talking about aligning employees' life purpose with their work purpose. Uh, and you draw that distinction. Why is that so important? Well, I, I think that um, organizations and leaders that don't give it a lot of thought conflate life purpose with the purpose of the organization. So an individual's purpose in life with their purpose at work. And I think that really uh, bastardizes both purposes in the process. Um, it, it's my view that an individual's life purpose is their existential reason for being is very singular. It's very it's unique to that individual. So the thought that it's going to be aligned with uh, our organizational purpose, which is why our organization exists, um, I don't like your odds of, of doing that. So I think that's a mistake to conflate the two. I think you need to see them as two separate things respect them for being two separate things, and, and treat them that way. Now, that's not to say core values. Some people lump purpose and values together, uh, but they're, they're separate things. And I think that it's a worthwhile process to articulate core values of a company, of an organization, and then in the selection process to use predictive software, behavioral interviewing, and other mechanisms to identify alignment between an individual's values and the core values of the organization. I think that's a worthwhile exercise. And, uh, you know, the, the, because you're not going to change values, right? If someone's got aligned values, values run deep for every one of us. And so what those are, as, as employees, as team members, we are better off if we can choose organizations that have an alignment of values. And as employers and organizations and leaders, we're better off if we can find people who have similar alignment as well. It goes both ways. Correct. So when you're talking about purpose, and so we've made the distinction, we're not talking about life purpose and an individual reason for being. We're talking about the, the purpose of the work and the job that we do. That is one component of 
kind of the totality of a job role. You, you talk about purpose and there are some other components as well. So just give us this picture of what the total job role actually looks like. Yeah, well, the total job role, most would define uh, competency as an employee possessing adequate job knowledge and being able to demonstrate sufficient job skills. So by extension, they're competent. And that's where most supervisors and most managers in organizations stop in terms of employee development. They stop at competency. And so because that's a priority for the supervisor, uh, that's the priority for the frontline hourly employee, and, and that is competency, possessing adequate job knowledge, demonstrating sufficient job skills. So they know what to do and they know how to do it. Correct, correct. But nobody's talking about why. Why you do what you do, how you do it at work. And that's where this third aspect of every job role, by the way, uh, comes into play. And that is the job purpose, the single highest uh, priority of that job role. So when you're talking about job purpose, this you said this, it's, you define it the single highest priority of that particular role. So let's just, let's make that practical. Can you give us a couple of examples, maybe? Because you do so many different examples in, in the book. I, I'd love if you could share a couple of examples with our listeners of yeah. what are we talking about in terms of the highest purpose of a specific position? Yeah, well, let's say you, um, you ran a coffee shop. You know, many of your listeners uh, get a cup of coffee or, or, or a cup of tea um, weekly, if not daily. Um, and when you encounter the barista, let's say I'm, I'm the general manager of this coffee shop or the owner, uh, I'm running this coffee shop. So it's my responsibility to set direction. And I may say that the single highest priority of the barista is to make a connection with each guest. So to, to use the totality of a job role that we just discussed, it's, it's now incumbent upon that barista to know how to make drinks um, and to know what goes into a drink. So they have to possess adequate job knowledge. They have to have the skill to operate the machinery and to produce say a macchiato. So that's the what and the how of the job rule. But now keep in mind the single highest priority is to make a connection with each guest. So perhaps while the barista is making the macchiato and as he's completing the macchiato and preparing to hand it to the guest at the, uh, uh, at the end of the counter, uh, perhaps he says something like, well, here's your macchiato. Um, again, he's making a connection with the guest. Here's your macchiato. Did you know that macchiato is Italian uh, for marked or stained? Your espresso is marked with a teaspoon of milk. And then there's a smile, there's eye contact. There's probably a reciprocating smile and eye contact uh, coming from the patron. Hence, we've made a connection. And so that's elevating a job from being transactional and simply being, um, simply being focused on delivery and execution uh, to something more that's tied to purpose. Okay, so it's, there, my, my mind is going several different directions. So one direction is the fact that that higher purpose really does rely on competency in the what and the how. So in other words, if I'm a customer, because I've been this customer, and I don't care how friendly or connected you are, if it takes you 20 minutes to make my drink, wait, right. you know, I'm in a hurry. Like, so you got to have that proficiency at the work, and then you're able to also pursue that higher why of the job. 
You know, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's not zero sum. And, and I, I uh, go to great lengths in the book to say that, you know, we're not, we're not subordinating competency to job purpose. Uh, because you're right, if it takes 20 minutes, then, then the barista is incompetent. And I, I may not return to be a patron, no matter what type of connection uh, the individual may have tried to make. So yes, you've got to do both. It's not zero sum. You've got to be competent. And I, and I, I, I believe once you have mastered a job, that frees up capacity to explore other areas of your job. And this is why it's so important for leaders to make those other possibilities, uh, to make the employees aware of those other possibilities, to, to add a new dimension to their job role. I mean, looking at the barista example, if they hadn't thought about it, and I encouraged them to you know, find out some interesting facts about the products they produce, uh, that may lead them down a path uh, through Google searches and, and who knows, uh, travels to Europe, where they come back with this, what I call unique knowledge. It's not job knowledge, because job knowledge is expected. Job knowledge doesn't necessarily make an impression on anybody because they expected it. But this is unique knowledge. It's behavioral. It's voluntary. But I can encourage him. Uh, I could model that as a leader. I could recognize that as a leader. And, and I could perpetuate it among not only this barista, uh, but all the staff members. A couple more things are coming up as you're talking there. So first is just calling back to what you're talking about in terms of values, because if you've hired somebody who just doesn't give a hoot about connecting with other human beings, and they're a, a mechanist who they love producing the exact proper cup of coffee, but the human interaction has no interest to them. There may be a place for that person in a, in a coffee shop, but not in your coffee shop, if that's the kind of connection you're trying to build, if that's part of the role. Well, I think it's important, yeah, in a customer-facing role, I think, I think it's important to uh, be outgoing. That doesn't mean there's not a place for somebody who's more introverted, because again, when you look at uh, unique knowledge and you think of, uh, of an individual's depth of knowledge, they don't have to be extroverted. They don't have to be outgoing in order to be passionate. Think about uh, baseball historians um, or wine enthusiasts. Uh, these are people that have deep knowledge. They're very interesting, but that doesn't mean they're animated and they're jumping up and down. So you can be reserved and you can pull off everything in my book, even though you're reserved. Absolutely. The other thing that's occurring to me, uh, Steve, as we talk here is that for leaders listening today, you know, you have a higher purpose. Uh, you have a higher reason for the work you're doing. And it's why I do the work I do in terms of leadership development is when we talk about leadership and management, the knowledge and skills of doing all of that well really do activate that higher purpose of a leader's role, which is always more than just getting the work done. Correct. Correct. And we, so we see it play out in the barista example. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what made me think about when you're talking about the manager and the fulfilling and the all the things they're able to do is they've got the, the kind of that competency in place. So, all right. So we've defined what the full, the total job role looks like. It's the, the purpose, knowing why we do what we do and how we do it. And then, you know, knowing what to do, knowing how to do it, but knowing the why behind those things, it's all three of those put together. Right. So you walk us through a process of how we can help connect people, our team members to that, that higher purpose, but not just 
theoretically. It's what does it actually look like? How do we actually do it? And so I'd love to just have you walk us through a little bit of this process of, you know, the relevancy, the the revelation, sorry, not relevancy, the revelation conversation and how we do that in practice. Yeah, well, how you do it in practice is it, you know, it all begins with the front end of the book is about revealing the total job role, which is what we did. Uh, most frontline employees see their job role as the bulleted list of job requirements that are listed on their job description. And that's how they would define the totality of their job role. And so they're largely missing this third dimension of every job role, uh, which, is, which is job purpose. So the very first thing you need to do is you need to enlighten them and reveal the totality of the job role. Uh, now, now this brings up a question. The job purpose is the role's single highest priority, or if you're talking about organizational purpose, it's why the organization exists. The reason that there are three chapters that precede chapter four, uh, which is the keystone chapter, the revelation conversation and how to initiate it, is because most supervisors and managers are unaware themselves of the single highest priority of the job role. Uh, they're unaware of the organization's purpose. Um, they may have a vague recollection that a mission statement or a vision statement or a purpose statement, you know, hangs um, on the wall behind a pane of glass in the executive corridor, or they may have seen it in the employee handbook, or, or if it's a public company in the annual report. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can recall it. That doesn't mean that they can be deliberate about connecting an individual's daily work activities to that purpose. Um, in fact, they're not going to do that if they're unsure themselves of what that single highest priority is. So there are a series of questions or four questions that I ask in the chapter, chapter three, preceding chapter four, um, where they would initiate the revelation conversation. And that is for them to invest time articulating for themselves, what is my single highest priority at work? Um, what are our core values? How are those core values reflected in terms of actions and behaviors? And what is our team's um, aspirational goal? So that if you haven't thought about these questions, initiating a revelation conversation, if you just jump to chapter four, that's going to be premature. What you're really talking about is you got to have a revelation conversation with yourself <laughs> and, and have connected for yourself before you ever want to try to do anything with the team member. Correct, because you'll just uh, you'll you'll fail and you'll lose credibility if you if you can't answer the questions that you are asking of your direct reports. All right, so let's hit those one more time. Number one, what is my purpose at work? That highest priority that you're talking about. Number two, what values guide my actions and behaviors? Correct. Uh, number three, what are the actions and behaviors, the purposeful actions and, and the behaviors that I exhibit at work? And then what is our uh, number four? Our team's aspirational goal. Correct. And we want to have thought those through and have some some answers for those. So just listeners, as you're looking for your practical takeaways, starting uh, there in terms of some questions, reflection questions for yourself before you're working on connecting your employees, or your teams, are you connected in those ways? Correct. And if you work for a larger organization, sophisticated organization that has um, taken the time, invested the time, because this is not something you do in five minutes. I mean, we just start the process in the book. May take other people, uh, may take other resources. Uh, but if you work for a large organization that has articulated 
a guiding statement, whether they call that a mission statement, a vision statement, a purpose statement, doesn't matter what you call it. Um, as, as long as you've done that, the important thing now is to become fluent in that statement. And again, we're assuming it's relevant. We're assuming it's a credible statement. We're assuming it's enduring, but you need to become familiar with that. In fact, fluent in that. And then the same with core values. Have you articulated as, a, as an organization uh, the core values that uh, drive behavior and decision-making? And if you've done that, uh, you may have answered the first two questions already. And you know, I'm curious, Steve, as you share that, the reflection on if you work for an organization like that, who has put in the time and has a credible, meaningful uh, set of values, purpose, um, and, and some of those higher level things. But that's not an assumption that holds true for everyone. That, you know, I know that there are leaders listening to the show for whom maybe there has been uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Symbolic work put towards that end, but the, the credibility is not there. It's not a real purpose. It's not a real, and there's definitely not the connection beyond it. It's some, some words in a file somewhere for the organization. Can leaders do this work themselves at their department or team level? Yes, and they may have to, even if they work for a sophisticated organization that has articulated a purpose like Kroger has, uh, which is to feed the human spirit. So if I'm a supervisor in a Kroger supermarket and I'm reflecting on the higher purpose of the organization to feed the human spirit, I'm challenged. Maybe some of your listeners can make a connection that I'm not, but I'm challenged to apply that practically in my real world of work. In other words, if, if um, I'm responsible for an employee who, among other responsibilities in their job role, is responsible for cleaning up that spill on aisle 10, I'm gonna find it difficult to cajole him or her into uh, the cleanup by saying, you know, feed the human spirit, Todd. Got that jar of pickles, not aisle 10. That, yeah, that sounds like a line from a, a comedy show, right? Right, right. But what I found was I, I, looked, I went to the Kroger website actually, and it was part of the uh, discovery process I was doing as I was writing the book. And I noticed they had a pledge and the, I don't know the pledge word for word, but one of the things in the pledge was to make everything fresh. And so I thought, oh, I thought, okay. Cause what you don't want to do is you don't want to marginalize uh, the corporation's uh, stated organizational purpose. That's not going to get you any points as a supervisor or manager. Um, and and it's, it's, you know, feeding the human spirit. I think it's a little abstract. I think it's a little lofty, um, but you need to honor that. And so we can honor that and we can actually, actu actually actuate. Can I say that on your program? Of I'm course. sorry. But, but if we could actually make real uh, a portion of the pledge to make everything fresh, now all of a sudden that spill on aisle 10, you know, remember our priority is to make everything fresh. And, and if, if I interweave that into department meetings, uh, stand up, you know, lineup meetings, uh, huddles, whatever we call them, if I reinforce that, uh, I can reinforce that as it relates to rotating stock. I can reinforce that as it comes to a clean store, whether that's the public restrooms, which nobody wants to clean, but you get this esprit de corps around the concept. It's a covenant that I've made. Now, all of a sudden, if I allow the public restroom to languish or that spill on aisle 10, I'm, I'm breaking the covenant that I've established with my immediate supervisor who I respect. 
And that's the other thing you need. <laughs> as the supervisor, as the leader, you need to have credibility yourself in order for any of this to work. So important to have that, that framework in place, absolutely. Um, and, and so many prior episodes cover all some different aspects of that. That's why I was happy to, to have you on today so that we can get into the how you make the connection between that higher purpose, that higher priority of the, the work, and then the tactical day-to-day things that we're actually doing and how all that ties together. Right, right. Yeah, it, I mean, I'll give you another example. And this is one that I've experienced and, and many of your listeners have experienced. And that is if, if I'm a general manager in a full service restaurant, okay, we all eat out from time to time. And um, if, if I'm hiring somebody, they need to have the technical competency. Uh, they need to possess adequate job knowledge. That might be uh, menu knowledge. Um, they need to have skill, which may be uh, table service, um, how to properly serve and clear a table, uh, how to operate the uh, point of sale machine. So they need to have technical skills as well in, in order to be competent, as we've discussed. Now, as the general manager of the, of the restaurant, I have a higher purpose for the server's job role. And that higher purpose is to surprise and delight each guest. And so with that as a higher purpose, what I could do as leadership, as management, is I can incorporate the essence of the job role, which I talk about in my book. I make a distinction between job essence and job functions. Job functions are um, those duties and tasks that are associated with the job role, uh, such as uh, table service, operating the POS machine, knowing what the specials are, that's job functions. Job essence is the reflection through actions and behaviors of the single highest priority of my job role, job purpose. So the single highest priority of my job role is to surprise and delight guests. So the management team can say, hey, in the process, in the job function of table service, we're going to incorporate the addition, once guests are seated and we've taken drink orders, the addition of bringing an amuse-bouche to the table. So that's just a, a chef's taste. And maybe we bring a chef's taste, an amuse-bouche, uh, to each of the diners. Maybe there's a, a four top that was seated. And so we have four samples, chef's taste, of coconut curry soup. And we just bring this. And it's serendipitous. And nobody asked for it. If they haven't dined here before, they don't expect it. It just shows up. So now we've added value. Uh, we have uh, potentially surprised and delighted the customers. And by the way, this is really the payoff. Um, now, all of a sudden, that server who works for gratuities may enjoy a bump in his or her gratuity as a result of the amuse-bouche. And then you're always looking at food costs. And so you've got this going out for free, really. But then you can measure how does that translate into the sale of cups and bowls of coconut curry soup? And I bet if it's good soup, <laughs> that it will more than offset what you're giving away in order to fulfill the higher purpose of the job role to surprise and delight your guests. Absolutely. And I love a good coconut curry soup. So you used a good example for me. Great. Absolutely. I, I'm thinking of a restaurant. I have a specific place in mind who did exactly that with some lentil soup and it was fantastic. And yeah, that feeling, I still, ugh, four or five years later, still have a positive feeling uh, in, in terms of, but because they clearly they had that as a higher purpose somewhere in their, their thinking there for that role. 
can you take us outside of a hospitality industry um, type of example? So we've talked about uh, baristas and Starbucks or coffee shop type of thing. We've talked about restaurants, food service. Can we take it a different direction? Sure. Yeah. If you look at um, one of the organizations that I profiled in the book, obviously I did a lot of the writing of the book through uh, the COVID pandemic. One of the, the organizations is Pfizer. Obviously they have been in the news uh, for the past two years. And so I, I paid attention to the articles about what they were doing and uh, I spent some time in their materials. So they're not a client, but I did profile them in the book. And their, uh, their purpose statement is to deliver breakthroughs that change patients' lives. And so I thought about that and I thought, well, gosh, you know, they were the first to market um, producer of the COVID-19 vaccine. So that's a pretty important breakthrough. And um, I also took a look at their values and their values are courage, excellence, equity, and joy. And what impressed me about their values is rather than just list the values, they had a, um, what they label as a statement, a value statement to basically demonstrate how the organization interprets that value. I'm not gonna go through all four, but I'll share one. The value of equity they interpret as, we believe that every person deserves to be seen, heard, and cared for. And they don't just stop there. After they list the value, after they interpret it through this value statement, what it means to them, what it means to the organization, then they, they look at application. How, how, does, how do we apply this value in our organization? So for equity, the behaviors listed are, this happens when we are inclusive, when we act with integrity and reduce healthcare disparities. Those are the behaviors that let us know that we are acting on our good intention that we've codified as this value of equity uh, through these behaviors. And so, so I looked further and I learned that as the vaccine became available, Pfizer made that vaccine available to low-income countries at cost. And I thought to myself, okay, they are practicing what they preach. Not only have they delivered a breakthrough that's going to change the patient's lives in those countries, but they have, um, they, they have demonstrated the value of equity. Remember, they define that as we believe that every person deserves to be seen, heard, and cared for, whether they're from a high-income country or a low-income country. And remember the behavior. This happens when we are inclusive, when we act with integrity, right, which is integration around our principles, and we reduce healthcare disparities. That's exactly what they did through that concrete action. And that notion of taking these concepts, a purpose, a value, and translating it into activity, into behaviors is so critical. It's a, we're big believers in that and talk about that at uh, Let's Create Leaders all the time. Uh, and, and for so many reasons, one, if I'm a person on a front line, like I need to know what success actually looks like if I'm doing it, if I'm gonna have any chance of doing it. Uh, and then from a leadership perspective, how, what are we coaching and helping people work towards or to do or achieve or hold practicing accountability. And, and you get into that in, in the conversation around the revelation conversation is you refer to it. This is a way to talk about performance. Uh, it's not like the starting place of like, 
let's say a, an accountability conversation or something, but it is laying a groundwork. Cor cor correct. And, and while you were talking, it reminded me, you know, earlier we, we uh, talked about those four questions, uh, purpose of my job role, uh, what are the core values? And then the third question uh, deals with what purposeful actions and behaviors do I exhibit at work? This gets into the Pfizer example where they've added context to the value. This is how we interpret it. And where they've added behaviors, this is what it looks like in our organization. Let me tell you, um, I spent a lot of time in the discovery process and Pfizer is just one of a handful of companies who have done this. And I really think, I write about it in my book, I think it's a missed opportunity because if you just have an imitative set of core values and you have your organization has articulated a guiding statement, whether that's a purpose, a vision, a mission statement that nobody can recall, then you failed. You have a performative guiding statement, great. You have an imitative set of core values that none of the employees can distinguish from your competitor's imitative set of core values because you haven't added context to them. We don't know what it looks like because nobody's talking about what that value looks like in terms of an action and a behavior. That's why question three is so critical. Most leaders stop after the first two questions have been answered. Nobody's asking the third question. What purposeful actions and behaviors do I exhibit at work? And then the fourth question, what is my team's aspirational goal? The reason that's important is that so many leaders and managers and supervisors are focused on KPIs, right? Key performance indicators. They're focused on measurable goals. They're focused on productivity. They're focused on, on quotas. They're focused on budgets. And, and what the team needs is beyond that, they need a North, North Star uh, for inspiration. So this is not a goal that we achieve. It's an aspirational goal. By definition, we don't achieve it, but we can pursue it. So it's all about progress. It's about movement. It's about momentum. And you can celebrate that in the same way you can celebrate achieving a concrete, measurable KPI. And back to what you said earlier, it's not that those KPIs don't matter. And you spend a lot of time talking about KPIs and, and how they, they factor into all right. of this. Not, not zero sum. Yeah, it's not that they don't matter. And, and of course, why do so many managers default that? Because that's where they're held accountable. And it's the one thing they're held accountable for. So uh, if you're a senior leader, organizational leader, and you're thinking about this, are you holding your leaders accountable for purpose and job essence, as well as the KPIs and those outcomes? Because it all works together and you're going to advance the one if you're doing the former. So that all plays together. You know, um, Okay, we're talking with Stephen Curtin, the Revelation Conversation, inspire greater employee engagement by connecting to purpose. And uh, in a moment, we're going to actually walk through this Revelation Conversation. But before we do, I just want one other table setting thing, because I thought this was so important. You mentioned a quote from a statistician, uh, Dr. Joyner, who says, you know, blame the process, not the person. And the, the, you go on with this to, to give supervisors this question that I just think is so brilliant and so important. And if we would all ask this of ourselves, how much better things would be? And that question is, how did the process allow this to happen? So using that as a table setting for us, before we dive into the, the, the revelation conversation here, what do we mean by how did the process allow this to happen? What are we looking for there? Well, what we're looking for is every process that contributes to the outcome, which might be the customer experience. 
You really have to look at that rather than assigning blame and saying our customer service quality is not where it needs to be uh, because of uh, the staff we have is incompetent. Um, and you want to blame the staff. But now before you blame the staff and point your finger at the staff, you have to look at every process that put that employee in front of the customer. So that's everything from recruiting to your selection process to your onboarding process, to your training process, and to the processes themselves. In other words, to, to very quickly go back to that coconut curry, a moose bush example, we have incorporated in the process an action that supports the single highest priority of the job role. We are, we are putting wind behind the sails of the servers. Not only are we improving the customer experience by doing that, we're fulfilling the higher purpose of the job role. We are contributing to that server's gratuities, likely, and we are uh, potentially increasing average check by selling more cups and bowls of coconut curry soup. Everybody wins, but we're paying attention to the process. And so you've even built in, an active, back to that example, so you've built in a defined action of what's going to happen, but it serves as a model for the individual then to take their own actions on behalf of that higher purpose. Yes, yes. So if we've got just a minute, what, what you're alluding to is this distinction between an action, which is really done for you by the process. And I love this because what it does is it enables you to deliver exceptional customer service over time by design rather than infrequently here and there by chance when you just leave it up to the individual. So definitely inculcating uh, job essence, these um, uh, actions in the process is going to improve that. But the, the, the other thing is behaviors, which in the barista example, you know, the macchiato example, um, that's a behavior and you can't legislate that. Okay, so I just want to make this is a very important point that actions you can mandate, behavior you cannot. Behavior is always voluntary. All right, so let's get into it with that setup then, the revelation conversation. Um, first, this is an informal conversation. That's your recommendation is that it's maybe a part of your one-on-ones or, or types of conversations that you're having, and you do recommend one-on-one, -on -one, not in a, a team situation. Correct. So how do we start this conversation? We've done the work ourselves. We've made, we've got that platform set. Now what? Well, now you, again, one-on-one, -on -one, you engage somebody, you, you don't have a calendar invite for this. You know, even if you're working in a virtual environment, which granted this is um, certainly uh, more accessible, I think in a face-to-face -face environment, but that doesn't mean you can't do it virtually, but it doesn't require a calendar invite. You just simply enfold it into a conversation that you would have ordinarily, you know, as a matter of course. So you might approach a direct report and you might ask this question, you know, would you describe for me uh, from your perspective, uh, your job role, what your job entails? That's the question. Uh, would you describe for me, and you could word it, differently. And I've got a few different examples in there. This one sounds natural to me. Would you describe for me from your perspective, your job role, what your job entails? And then I go silent. And I've asked this question a lot. And it's pretty predictable what they'll say. Um, earlier, I made a distinction between job functions and job essence, job functions being the bullet points on the job description. That's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear, yeah. You're going to hear job functions. And so this gives you an opportunity, and this is also very important. It's subtle, but it's so important 
this gives you the opportunity as the supervisor to either browbeat them for not knowing what job essence is and not mentioning any of the essence actions and behaviors, which I don't recommend, or- Please, please do not do that. Don't do that. Or you can practice humility and you can say, and like you said earlier, you made a great point by saying, look, all these are still important, right? <laughs> and they are. Everything they've listed is critical to success. You, you need to do all those. But as the supervisor, you could practice humility by saying, hey, listen, all of those things are vital. They're all important for, for our success. But if that's how you would describe the totality of your job role, then I, your supervisor, have described your job role to you incompletely. Because there's another dimension of your job role. There's another part of your job role, which is job essence. And then they're going to say, what's job essence? <laughs> and then because you read the first three chapters, you're going to say job essence is your single highest priority at work. And then they're going to say, what's that? <laughs> and because you thought about it, when we went through the four questions, you're going to be able to say your single highest priority at work is to make a connection with each guest. Uh, to surprise and delight each customer, whatever that happens to be. But you've thought about it. So you can you can say that. And then this is why we call it the revelation conversation. Just about everybody you talk to defines their jobs exclusively in terms of job functions. Nobody's talking about job purpose. Nobody's thinking about job purpose because the management or supervisory level above them is not talking about it. They're held accountable for the metrics that are associated with job functions. Productivity, utilization reports, PLs, budgets, quotas. That's what we're held accountable for. That's what we're talking about. But um, you know, the focus needs to, to uh, return to purpose. And, and this is how you get that conversation and that focus started. And you know, as you're talking, it strikes me there is one group of people talking a lot about job purpose. Employees. And particularly in today's employment market. And uh, we just heard from a uh, recent guest, uh, Josh Packer, with all the research around uh, the incoming generation, just new to the work workforce here with, with Gen Z, yeah. and how high a role purpose warrants for them. And so what you have just described is part of the way that every single manager, every single leader listening today can start to help make those connections for people knowing not only does it produce a better work product, not only does it energize your team, but it also becomes an attractive force for people who are looking for purpose and meaning in their work. That is not necessarily, it doesn't have to be like you said at the beginning, my reason for life on this earth, but I'm finding that purpose in the work I'm doing because you're helping make it clear for me. Correct, correct. So job knowledge and job skills, uh, skills yields uh, delivery and execution. Right? We talked about that earlier. If I know what to do and how to do it, I can deliver a product successfully. I can execute successfully. But job purpose has to do with meaning and contribution in a way that is unique from job functions. And so if you're not talking about it, then you're missing opportunities to talk about meaning and contribution, which to your point is becoming increasingly important to the workforce. Absolutely. All right, Steve Curtin, tell us where we can find you, where we can learn more, find the book, uh, anything else we should be thinking about as we connect with you. Oh, you bet. You can find me at my website, and that is simply stevecurtin, C-U-R-T-I-N.com. And the book's available wherever books are sold, uh, Amazon and elsewhere. 
Excellent. Definitely recommend you pick up a, a copy of the Revelation Conversation because we have just put our toe in the water, but there are so many practical examples of how to have these conversations, of, of how to get the alignment for yourself. Um, and the last thing, uh, Steve, I want to ask you about uh, that you, you talk about in the book is how we start operationalizing um, job essence. So you recommend that team members be involved like in the identification of KPIs. We're, they're not involved in the values like the, the, the necessarily. I mean, I've seen some organizations who do some surveys and then the executive team does the work and, and really this is where our organization is heading. This is what we're about. And, and that's senior leader's job. That's or an owner or founder or whatever, you know, that group of people. But you recommend getting people involved, identifying KPIs and the related behaviors and actions. Right. Well, and that's where they get involved. I'm adamant in the book about they don't get involved in the shaping of the organizational organization's guidance statement. Um, I think that's foolish. They don't get involved in articulating core values and how your organization interprets them. Again, I think that's I don't think that that's for the senior uh, leadership of the organization. You mentioned the founder. Um, yeah, if he or she is still alive, it's, if it's not a 100-year-old business, certainly the way in with the founder. Uh, but that comes from leadership. Um, I believe in participative management, but you, know, you can't have democracy without authority, and you need authority uh, to articulate the guiding state and the core values. Now, where the frontline employee comes into play is with question three, where you are identifying actions and behaviors um, you know, the, the barista example, just to link back to what we've talked about, uh, this barista has chosen to acquire unique knowledge and share it. So that may be a behavior that he shares with his coworkers, and they may uh, choose to do the same thing. The action that we talked about of the amuse-bouche in the restaurant uh, may have come from management, certainly, uh, but that may have been an idea that came up during lineup where somebody said, uh, hey, this coconut curry soup's pretty good. I, I went to a restaurant over the weekend that served in a moose bouche. Is that something we could consider? So that's a, an idea that can come from the front line. And then that can be incorporated into the process as we discussed. And that could be their idea. And how gratifying and how empowering is that when something that I voiced uh, during a lineup meeting actually manifests in table service throughout the restaurant. And how critical if you want more and more of those kinds of ideas. And for uh, listeners who are thinking, oh yeah, and I want more on that, check out some of the episodes on courageous questions, on responding with regard, uh, or uh, courageous cultures. Steve, we have just, uh, there's so much more we can go into, but I so appreciate the way that you unpack and walk us through practically mm. that mystery of purpose and connection to the the reason we're doing the work and making that real for every team member and giving leaders a real practical way to do that. Uh, as we're looking at the big picture and everything you've suggested and all of the different steps, and we've got a lot of practical takeaways, where do we start? Well, you start with the four questions in all, in all practicality. And, and the four questions actually follows um, the what I call the anatomy of a job role, the totality of a job role. I uh, remember it's job knowledge, job skills, and job purpose, but you can't define or articulate the job purpose until you've done the four questions. So I was really challenged with the book about what to put where. But so I introduced this, it's in a Venn diagram. So you've got the three overlapping circles, but then in 
in uh, uh, chapter three, you answer the four questions. So where do you start? You start by looking at the Venn diagram and thinking, gosh, what is the higher purpose of my job role? And then fleshing that out in chapter three. And then certainly you start, in fact, I, I end the book uh, with a conclusion, a concluding chapter, which is um, labeled start with one. And that's when you initiate your very first revelation conversation. You just start with one. They just take five minutes and you'll see the difference that it makes. And then you just need to uh, continue that, but certainly start with one. Don't just put the book down and say, hey, there's some good ideas here. And then, you know, maintain the status quo. That's not going to help. So have the conversation with yourself first, and then going to one person, would you describe for me from your perspective, your job role, what your job entails, and then walk through and with humility, if they don't have that job essence, that's a chance for us to take responsibility. I love that point you made earlier. It's not yeah. about going telling them, you know, what's the matter with you? It's about saying, hey, you're right on those things. And there's a missing piece I haven't adequately communicated, and I'd like to talk about it. Right. And you're accomplishing those three objectives. Just in that five minutes, you're revealing the total job role. You're connecting uh, the employee's daily work activities to the higher purpose of their job role. And you're inspiring greater employee engagement in the process. And that is about all we could ask from a five-minute conversation. And that is a lot. So let's go have those revelation conversations. We've been talking with Stephen Curtin author of The Revelation Conversation, Inspiring Greater Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. Listeners, encourage you, start with one. Do it for yourself. Start with yourself and then one conversation at a time. And you're on your way to being the leader you'd want your boss to be. Steve, thanks for being a guest here with us on Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Oh, you bet, David. And thank you for sharing your platform. I appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.